up, everybody? Today we're doing a mobile podcast. Uh, didn't have time to get to the studio, but want to get something out for you. This one is unique. Yeah, we're not static. We're going to be moving. This is a mobile solo podcast, so I'm going to fire up the Montero. And today we're off to see our friends at 1552. Hello. After I back out of this confusing Starbucks uh, parking lot, which has a poorly placed divide right there, so I kind of have to swing around, avoid this idiot in a BMW. They're not an idiot. They're just parked in a weird spot. No need to be a dickhole. All right. So, today's podcast is about project cars and the costs associated with them that you don't plan for when you initially buy a vehicle. So to dive into this, we're gonna dive into it on this vehicle because that's what has me thinking about this. I keep a a spreadsheet of everything I spend on my vehicles. Uh, I keep track of, you know, just like you should, if if you have a project vehicle you wanna know what you're spending, where you're at, when it's time to like, you know what, pump the brakes on this thing. Is it worth shoving more money into? Or wow, I'm doing better than I thought. Right now out of the gate, I am not doing better than I thought. To back up, let's start with how much I spent on this. This is, I feel like uh, Tavares right now at the end of one of his projects where B is for build. This is not as expensive or I'm not doing as much work as those guys, but you know, same idea. So, the purchase price of Tony Montero here was $3,500. Pretty good deal for a fun off-road vehicle that's had some work done to it recently and is in solid shape for a vehicle from 1991. I was 11 when this vehicle came out, and some of you are laughing going, I wasn't born yet. That's fine. You're young. Go to hell. Alumni BC. Play in front of us. Go Boston. So, $3,500. Drove it away. Running great. No issues. Seems to be running great. I've done a few things since then. I've replaced this central gauge cluster here because the inclinometer on the one that the truck came with was busted. The one I've swapped in, the inclinometer, is missing the mineral oil that goes into it, so it's not a smooth movement, but the gauge itself is in good shape. The oil pressure gauge, however, is not. The sending unit's bad or the gauge is bad. we got to figure it out. But the main oil pressure sending unit that goes to the dummy light in the gauge cluster, that one works. So if that light comes on, I know I have an issue. I need to stop and figure it out. But otherwise, I've checked the oil. We're good there. Now, leading to the oil, that gets me to my next bit. I changed the oil in this because it has a ticking sound, and it's from the valve lash adjusters. Uh, Sometimes an oil change can help make that go away, but in this case, I'm pretty sure I just need to have them replaced. It's about $172 for a set of 24 valve lash adjusters. I don't want to dump that yet because nothing is really hurting the engine at this point. The oil level is fine, um, so I'm going to hold off because I've spent too much already. Now, after I changed the oil, I noticed some drips on the ground. It's like, God damn it, what did I do wrong here? Check the drain plug, drain plug's good. Check the oil filter, oil filter's good. How did I mess something up? Like, I didn't, I always, my first thing is, what did I do wrong? Which, you know, is 
more often than, than not the case here. But in this instance, I didn't do anything wrong. The timing was perfect for something else to go wrong. So to back up a little bit more before I tell you what went wrong, uh, when I went on the trip to go drive that Honda Talon side-by-side in Utah, I dropped the truck off at an off-road repair shop to have them check out the underside of the truck and fix a few things. While it was there, they balanced both drive shafts, they checked out the fluid and swapped fluid in the transfer case. You know, they did some basic maintenance stuff that was good to do. Also, they found that the battery cable needed to be rewired because it was the hot side, the positive side, was currently sitting uh, on the exhaust. Not ideal. Glad they caught that and they fixed it. All told, everything they did, they also uh, replaced the rear brakes too. Everything they did came to an even thousand dollars. At the time, I was like, all right, some good preventative maintenance, some fixes in there, that's great. And then I noticed when I got the truck back, they never mentioned anything about any oil or any drips, even though I said, can you check into where this is coming? They never looked at it, which is pretty fucking annoying, really. Um, the puddles seemed to get worse. So I said, or the drips seemed to turn into small puddles. And I was like, God damn it, uh, what is going on here? So. I was investigating some more underneath. I thought it was coming from maybe the transfer case or further up on the engine because after you drive it, whatever's dripping could spread it around. I took it to a, a local Japanese repair focused, specific Japanese vehicle repair shop that was nearby. And while they were there, I had them put in a new pitman arm. They charged me $60 to do the pitman arm, nothing for the diagnosis because the guy I think felt bad. Uh, he said it's your rear main seal. Yeah, exactly. So, that shop said they charge at least $1,000 to do a rear main seal, which is a bummer. I was going to wait and do it myself with Rick Radcliffe, but I really needed this thing on the road and running. And I was going to call around to hopefully find a shop that could do it for less than a grand. I did find a shop, the very first shop I called, which were great to to work with. They seemed like they got their stuff together over there. Mission Viejo Transmission or something like that. I forget what the exact name of it was. I should know it, but I'm not here to endorse shops because you know, I'm not getting deals on this stuff. Um, and uh, they uh, they fixed it. All told, at the end of the day, it was 800 bucks. Tons of money. And I wish I hadn't done some of the things I did prior because I wasn't bothered by the drive shafts. Um, the battery cable, I'm glad that's fixed, but I, I could have waited on some of that other stuff. Uh, the, the rear brakes aren't as a priority as the front brakes, which seem to be in good shape. So I wish I had not shelled out a thousand on the other stuff when I have to shell out another near thousand for the rear main seal. So the rear main seal is now fixed, which is good. I feel good about that. The other day though, I'm driving my family. We're meeting some friends at downtown Disney to go have dinner. They're in town from Chicago. Truck's driving great, AC works, so we're in here nice and cool. As I'm pulling into the downtown Disney parking lot, my clutch goes to the floor. It still has some movement and I can shift, but what the fuck? So I flip it back up with my foot and ever since then, it's been fine. But something is clearly wrong there. I don't know if it's a slave cylinder issue or you know whatever, something is not great there. Um, but other than that, running down the road right now, the truck feels fine. It's shifting fine. The steering, there's still a little bit of wobble in it, but I'm sure there's some other, like I didn't do the idler arm when I did the pitman arm. So there's a few other things that could have been done there. Um, but other than that, like right now, driving 
comfortably, gets up to speed just fine. However, I've still noticed a few drips under the truck. So it's not the main seal that uh, is, because that's fixed, that is cleaned up. So I don't know where this new little bit of oil is coming from. It's not enough to freak me out. Um, anytime you check the oil level on the dipstick, it's full. So it's not a, a huge leak. I do have a full thing of oil in the back though. Well, not right the second I took it out because uh, when I put the new wheels and tires on that we're going to get, the old ones are gonna have to fit in here somehow. Which I don't know how yet, but we'll deal with that when I get to 1552. Um, so, so far, my $3,500 truck has become a bit more than that. The tires that we're putting on it were free. Uh, we have a pretty good relationship with BFG and Michelin, so I got a set of KO2s for this at no cost, which is great. I'm obviously gonna talk about them, uh, but I have to disclose that they're free. It's, it's, it's unethical to not tell you about my sweet ass new tires. 275, 70, 16 going on 16 by 8 1552 wheels. The wheels were not free, but they did give me 50% off, which is great. Um, 1552 doesn't really do a lot of sponsorship work unless your name is Ken Block and then it's worth it for them, absolutely. Um, and 50% off is a mega deal, so shout out to 1552. Thank you guys so much. I cannot wait to put them on. I'm putting on the TurboMac HD Classics in the gray color. Uh, which I think will go nice with this paint. I didn't want to go black because everybody does black. They have a beadlock wheel that is in a bronze color, which looks cool, but I just didn't like the black lip. Um, so I just went with regular gray colored wheels and uh, I'm very excited to get those on. I think it's gonna make uh, the truck have a great stance to it overall. And those tires look great on pretty much every single vehicle that you put them on. <laughs> so we're on our way to do that. Um, what else have I done? I've installed a Clarion M508 head unit, which looks great in here. Again, that was free from Clarion, full disclosure. Uh, it looks nice with the, the interior here. It's a great looking head unit. And then I have some speakers on the way that I'm gonna install. Uh, even though there's some odd sizes, we'll be able to make it work. <clears throat> so, there's some other problems popping up. There's a green light in the gauge cluster here that signifies uh, it's a, uh, either your transfer case has been engaged or something to that effect. It's been off as long as I've owned the vehicle. Lately, it has started to flicker a little bit, hang on, and then go away. After getting the rear main seal fixed, it is now just on. The the forums and the there's a, actually a great Facebook group, the SoCal Montero Facebook group is fantastic. They said um, it's either solenoids or solenoids failing or a vacuum leak. So I have a, a starting point of diagnosis for that. But just driving down the road again, the truck is running fine. But it just dives into more of that. Oh God, damn it! You think you find a deal? Turns out to be not the deal that you might have thought it was. Uh, the Benz was the same way. Uh, every project car is the same way. Unless you buy one that has just had a bunch of work done to it and you overpay for it so that you're not paying more down the road, which is a, a fair strategy. Um, go ahead, Buss. Go ahead, Buss. There you go. Um, so, we're, we've, we've, doubled the, we, we've doubled the cost of the car. 
we, we you know bought it for thirty five hundred. We've now spent more than that fixing things, which is unfortunate to say the least. Uh, I'm not displeased with the vehicle though. I'm still very happy with this thing. I love the way it looks. I love the way it sits. It's about to sit a lot cooler. Uh, I enjoy driving it, even though it's it's not fast, but I don't mind going not fast. It's a nice break from some of the fast vehicles I do get to drive, so I get my speed fix in in other ways. The same way with the Benz, I enjoy just cruising on the 405, not worrying about fighting for lane placement if I'm driving a, a press car of some sort. So that's where we stand on the Montero for right now. I'd love to hear about your project vehicles, you know, sound off in the comments either on the post of this podcast episode or uh, I'm going to put this on YouTube as well, the video portion. Um, So sound off below about your various project car woes. I would love to hear about them. Now let's talk about shifting gears here. (laughs) Shifting gears a little bit. What have I been driving recently? Well, I just had the 2019 Acura NSX shot some video on it. It will be coming up on the channel soon. Why did I drive it again if I've driven the new NSX already? For 2019, they upgraded it a little bit. What they've done was they went to a sixth generation brand new Continental tire that they say is a little bit better in the wet and also offers more progressive performance at the limit. That means it's not going to just snap and go away from you. You're going to know when you're getting up to that limit and you're going to know right when you're about to go past it so the car doesn't get away from you unexpectedly. That's nice. Now, because of the upgrades to the tire, it's also afforded them the ability to uh, stiffen it up front and rear. I I forget if they did stabilizers or spring rates to stiffen it, but they did stiffen it on the nose and the tail to make the ride more aggressive when you need it to be. Then... On the inside, what they did was they looked at the customers, how they were ordering and what options boxes they were checking, and they made the majority of those options standard features. The price of the car only went up 1500 bucks, but they said if you ordered all the things that have just become stick, if you had ordered all the stuff that just becomes standard on a prior gen car, it would have added at least like five thousand, at least five thousand dollars to the base price. So it's a good deal in terms of what they've added content-wise. The carbon, optional carbon fiber trim went from matte finish to gloss finish, and then there's some new interior choices. The car I drove was orange on the outside with blue leather and Alcantara on the inside, and it actually looks pretty cool. I would never spec a car that way, but it does. it's a really good orange without being too Halloween-y. Um, it drove great. The NSX is just such an underappreciated near supercar. We've, I was talking to another journalist. We have to create a category for these cars that make great daily drivers that also happen to offer supercar-like performance because they're just too good, whereas when you think supercar, you think something that kind of beats you up. And that's unfair to say to the Audi R8, the McLaren 570 GT, and the uh, Acura NSX because they're too good. You're almost penalizing them and taking them just a step away from the supercar spec. And I almost think that you have to look at it like a positive. If you daily drove an NSX, you are making a great choice. My favorite way of driving it, besides you know hammering it in the canyons, um, is in quiet mode. 
just slipping through a, a strip mall parking lot in silent mode is awesome. It's such a dual-natured vehicle, and it, it allows you to enjoy it in all aspects. If you're driving the NSX in traffic to work on a daily basis, and you could leave it in sport or quiet, so sport will kick the engine on more, um, but still let you go into full electric mode, whereas sport plus and track keep you out of electric mode. Um, it's just, it's, it's a great commuter and an insane sports car to boot. I love it so much. It really deserves a lot more praise. The one I drove was fully loaded, so it was about $195,000, which is tons of money. But any supercar below 200, even though it's just a tick below 200, is a pretty good deal these days for what they offer, you know, relatively speaking. Um, there, and there's a lot to choose from out there. I, I mean, it's hard to say no to what McLaren offers. And any of those cars are more exciting visually than an equally priced Porsche 911, whatever Turbo S spec it's going to be. Yes, the Porsche is probably going to be faster than all of them, but I'd rather be sitting in traffic in an NSX or a McLaren or an Audi R8 than the uh, Porsche. On the flip side, I don't push the Huracan down into near supercar spec. That is still full supercar because it can beat you up when you want it to beat you up. Uh, especially the rear-wheel drive version can get super wild and loose and fun like an old-school supercar. So that still gets supercar status. Um, and I, I think near supercar should be treated as a respectful term for something that offers wild style and performance that you can daily drive comfortably and just absolutely love. So it's a term of endearment for these cars. I hope it's taken that way. Now getting back to real supercars, I think in a week or so I get my hands on the uh, McLaren 600 LT Coupe. So we're getting back to real deal supercars real, real quick here. Uh, I'm very excited to drive any vehicle that has top mount exit exhaust because that's insane. Hopefully we catch some flame party going on with a GoPro shot. But I mean, how can that car not be absolutely wicked? Uh, I very much look forward to it and I prefer coupes to convertibles so even though the spider is the new hotness I'm looking forward to oh the airplane just went overhead as we go by John Wayne I'm hopefully it wasn't 737 Max I'm very much looking forward to uh, the coupe version more than the spider version just because I said like I said I prefer a roof a real roof over my head even though the spider's a hot top whatever I get it um, I just like the coupes so that'll be an exciting machine I'm trying to think I don't have a lot of press cars lined up at the moment because I've been enjoying driving this and doing stuff to it even though it is kicking my wallet right in the ass. It has its foot lodged so far up the asshole of my wallet that that's kind of a bummer at the moment. But other than that, like I said, I, I, I like this thing. I'm cruising along at an indicated 70-ish. Uh, um, which who knows what it actually is. It, it's, it's close to that, but it's a little off because it's right now the tires it came with from the previous owner are 31 inch tires on 15 inch wheels. So that's, that's a bigger tire than stock, but the wheel size is correct. Um, I have no idea what this would have come with stock wise, uh, but whatever, we're not dealing with stock here and uh, this is never gonna be a, a show vehicle anyway. So, or a, um, a, a high dollar classic so we don't have to worry about stock at the moment. Uh, now, getting back to the Benz, that still has the charge indicator light lit up. Uh, I have a new voltage regulator sitting inside the car that I just haven't installed yet. It's either the belt, the alternator, or the voltage regulator. And everybody says check voltage regulator first 
because it's so much cheaper than changing the alternator. And often you could have just changed the voltage regulator because they just wear out over all these, you know, it's a nice car from 1974. I have no idea when the alternator was replaced. Um, but a voltage regulator is prone to wear out. And if I can replace that instead of the alternator or just go in and tighten the belts, uh, then we're doing good. I've had one person test drive it. No one wants to buy that thing. Uh, everybody, everybody who's friends with me through this automotive landscape or this world, um, uh, Gallardo, Perfor what was the Gallardo the Super Legere? What was the coupe called? One of those just went by with the wing. I forget what the special edition Gallardo was called, but one just went by the other way. Yeah. Speaking of supercars. So I get people saying, oh, if I had the money, I'd be all over it. I'd be all over it. I'm not asking a lot. And I get, I get that it, you know, not everybody can just be like, oh, here's a few thousand bucks for the car. For those curious, I have it listed on Craigslist at $6,500. Um, if you're listening, I take a little bit less than that. Wink, hit me up, jeff at hooniverse.com. Uh, I'd love to sell it to someone who is an enthusiast or a fan of either what we do on the website, the podcast, or the YouTube channel, any of that. Um, yeah, hit me up. I'm, 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 I love driving it still. I wish that charge indicator light wasn't lit up. Uh, I do love driving it still, so I'm not sad that it hasn't been sold yet, but I do need to move it on to make room uh, and clear up some cash space for when the Benz wagon starts rolling into full gear. So that car, the shop it's at, OC Car in Lake Forest, literally around the corner from my house, which is great, they just had to move to a new shop, which is why we've been delayed starting work on the Wombat, the, my, my 1984 Benz wagon that's getting an LS3 engine transplant. So we haven't started on that. Now they are in the new shop. They just finally got the lifts installed from the old shop. They're getting all of their stuff out of storage into the new shop. Um, hold on, wait a second. I just want to see if this Nissan Frontier is going to try to cut me off. Um, so far, so good. Okay. Um, so they're, they're getting caught up. They have a backlog. And then as they get caught up, it's, it's wagon time. I'm dying to get that thing done. Absolutely dying to get that thing done. Um, the plan is still to do LS3, get the car running and driving, and then once that stage has happened, stage two will be safari. I am a little disheartened that I am late to the safari party only because I've had this wagon for, I think, going on six years now, and I've wanted to safari it from pretty damn near the beginning of the project. Um, so it's gonna seem like I'm jumping into the safari action late to the game and like just tagging on, which whatever, I don't truly care what people think, um, but I've, I've wanted to do this since you first started seeing lifted 911. So it, it's cool. I don't think safari as a, as a theme is ready to die yet anyway, but I don't care if it goes away tomorrow, I'm still gonna do it to my wagon because I can't wait and I think it's gonna be rad as hell to have an LS3 powered Benz wagon that you could take nearly anywhere. Um, and when that time comes, it'd probably be time to sell this too, but we'll see on that one because I do like this one a lot and it's always nice to have a pseudo truck. Uh, for example, I have the, rear, the second seat folded down right now to hopefully accept when we take the wheels and tires that are on here, hopefully I can fit them all in. It's five of them though, so We'll see. However, I did do five wheels and tires unmounted on the way up to Mount Toon, or not Mount Toon, 1552, which shares an office park with Mount Toon. Um, so hopefully, I should be able to fit five mounted wheels and tires, no problem, you would think. 
We'll see. We'll see. Uh, interesting test of packaging space here. But it is a good amount of room. And I think that actually that whole seat is actually removable if you wanted to take it out. But I just folded it down and it's, it's sort, sort of flat. Not totally flat, but sort of flat. Excuse me. <clears throat> so that's where we stand on the project car front. I'm trying to think of anything else cool I've been driving. Um, I don't have any press trips coming up. I've had to say no to a bunch. I don't have a lot of press cars coming up. I told you that already. I'm working on getting some. Um, it's been quiet uh, on the new car side of things, which is fine for a little bit. I, I prefer the older stuff. Um, it's been fun there. Um, well, I just had some, oh, I just had the NSX, but I thought I had something else. I guess I did not. I have the Genesis G70 rear-wheel drive coming. I'm eager to drive that because I've driven the all-wheel drive one on the East Coast back over Christmas, but I really want to get into the, the slidey, fun-time rear-wheel drive version because the G70 is a pretty, it's a pretty darn good machine. Um, so that'll be good. And then I'm trying to think about what else I have to schedule, but it's more that I'm excited about some things that aren't really available yet. I really need to get my hands on the Supra, hopefully later this year. Um, the Jeep Gladiator should be available in maybe a month or two. They're just doing their first uh, launch events on that one, and then Easter Jeep Safari, and then after that, hopefully, I'll be able to get my hands on that one, because I'm really eager to drive that one, and then I'm really eager to see the new Bronco, especially with the news that came out recently about it coming in two or four door styles with a removable top, removable doors. Not that I would take the doors off, but I would definitely take the top off. Um, it sounds like they're really going after the Wrangler with this one, and that's going to be really cool. And the Ranger platform, even though it's it's new that it's back to us, the, the actual platform itself has is, is been around since 2010, but it, they have worked the bugs out of the platform, so that'll be good. Um, rumor has it that that means the first engine choice will be the 2.7 liter, which is fine in the Ranger. Um, it should be no problem in the Bronco. The one I really want to know about, though, um, like all of you, is if they're going to do a uh, Ranger or Bronco Raptor. I mean, they're definitely going to do a Ranger Raptor. They'd be insane not to. It's a money printer. There's a there's a Raptor literally behind me right now. They're everywhere out here, and they're they're fantastic trucks. Um, a Bronco Raptor would be incredible to go against the Rubicon, and it would probably be more exciting because it's probably going to be, you know, more deserty dune bashing than the rock crawling esque trail running uh, Rubicon. I've no. Hopefully, they would put. I still think they should have. They should do this for the Ranger Raptor too. Is put the Focus RS uh, engine and all-wheel drive system. Maybe tweak the all-wheel drive system a bit, but the engine for sure. Have that three and a half liter engine in there for the Ranger and a Bronco Raptor would be super rad because there's already rumors for what's coming for the next Raptor and it sounds effing insane. There's a chance, I don't, I mean, it's still very much rumor, but there's a chance they're going to shove the GT500 engine into a version of the Raptor. <sighs> Mind explosion here. Mind explosion. Um, that would be absolutely effing crazy if they did that. I, I, I mean, it makes me tongue-tied to even think about what would potentially be a 750 horse. It'd be, they would look at John Hennessy's trucks go, nah, you're done here. Even though he, then he'd be like, oh, a thousand horsepower. Um, maybe they sense what Ram is about to do with the Rebel TRX which is another vehicle I'm looking forward to, um, but a Raptor with a, a GT500 engine, 
it, I mean, it would probably be a $120,000 truck and it would probably be worth every effing insane penalty. Uh, it would be worth every, um, I can't speak right now because I'm so blown away by the idea of such a truck. It would be worth every penny of that amount of money, which is insane to me to say because I can't afford it even at, you know, $70,000. But still, it's such a wild beastie of a machine that, do you imagine that? It would essentially be like a full-size pickup World Rally race car. That's what the Raptor would be if it had the GT500 engine. It would just be so good. So good. I would love to see that. If Ford has the, the insane Wavos to do that, good for them. And they would sell them. You know they would sell them, even at that wackadoodle price. Just like Chrysler sells every variant of the Challenger and Charger that it makes. Uh, speaking of, another car I'm excited to see, wide-body Charger. I love the Dodge Charger. I prefer it to the Challenger. I like the way it looks. Um, uh, many of you know I drove my daughter home from the hospital in a Charger Hellcat a few years ago. I have a soft spot in my heart for the Charger Hellcat. Making the Charger wide body, all in on that. Bigger tires underneath there. Yeah, tougher look, tougher stance. Chrysler can do no wrong with these modifications. Right now with the Challenger, there's so many versions of it that all make insane power, and each one of them is, is as good a buy as the other. Um, all the way up to the Demon, all the way down to, you know, just the, the Shaker. Um, the 392 cars are fantastic. They're all really, really good stuff. So I love all of that that's going on right now. Good stuff. Um, we're about at 30 minutes, and I am sitting in traffic, and I can't think of what else to say. So for now, I'm going to do a sign-off and tell you where to find me on social media. On Instagram. Oh, no, no. Before I do that... You guys have been really great at buying some of our merch. I can't put merchandise below here because we don't go through. I should have said this at the beginning. We don't run through. This is for the people watching on YouTube, by the way. But it also, if you're listening on ShoutEngine.com, which you should, which you should go check out ShoutEngine. Um, this applies to you too, but in a different way. So on YouTube, if you want to sell T-shirts, you have to sign up through Teespring, which is why you see T-shirts under the under the video description for some of these people. We're not going to go with Teespring. We're going with our friends at Blipshift. I'm wearing a Blipshift shirt right now. You can get our stuff on Blipshift through one of their part through their partner store. Uh, Blipshift.com/universe is the easiest way for you to get there. And we have some designs up right now. We're working on other designs. We have a new one coming out very soon. That's a play on the Dark Side of the Moon cover. Um, you know the prism, um, Dark Side of the Hoon with the logo and some. You know, colored burnout marks coming out. Uh, I'm very—it's a shirt I've wanted to design for years, so I'm excited that we finally get to see that one come. I'm working on even more T-shirt designs. We're not a T-shirt company, but uh, I think a few more designs in the store will be fun. There's some stickers up there right now, and then I've been tossing out the idea of a few other things. If people had enough interest, it's just that. For t-shirts, I don't need to shell out cash to do the t-shirts because Blipship handles that initially. But if I wanted to do like keychains and koozies and the stickers and stuff like that, we have to buy the initial run, which is fine. Um, but I just need to know that there's interest before I spend the money to, to so I'm not s sitting there with a pile of koozies that no one's bought. I could probably find enough beers to fill them, um, but you know, I, I prefer that we all drink out of Hooniverse koozies and have Hooniverse keychains hanging from our our keys, uh, our keys hanging from the key change, rather. <clears throat> so, I would like you to go to that partner store, check out the t-shirts. If you like what we're doing here, buy something. We have a Patreon channel as well, as you know. Um, 
I don't. I need to put a bit more effort into it. I, I the patrons people are the most loyal people listening to this podcast, and I love you all. Uh, I, I try to do stuff for you guys when I can. It's just it's 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 it takes up. Uh, it slips your mind from time to time, and you're focused on other things. And thankfully, the people in there, since you're our biggest supporters, you guys get that, and I really appreciate that. I hope you know that. Uh, but everybody else, go to blipshift.com slash universe and lend us a helping hand. Um, but now back to the social the social meteors. Instagram, at Hooniverse Jeff, also at The Real Hooniverse. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Jake Lucker, also at The Real Hooniverse. If you're here on YouTube watching, please subscribe to this. Smash that like button. Blah. And then um, go to Hooniverse.com because we're writing some great articles and, and it, sometimes it's fun to read something and look at pretty pictures and and all of that good stuff. Interact in our comment section. Our commenters there are some of the best commenters on the internet. They're, they're self-policing. If somebody comes in and tries to be an idiot, I know I don't even need to touch it. The commenters, will they take care of it. It's great. They treat it like their home on the internet, and I love that, and I love all of them, and it's fantastic. So uh, also go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast because I think you still need to do that. I think that helps us out. And, uh, yeah, we're good. I hope you... Tell us about your project car stuff. Sound off wherever you can comment on this from wherever you're watching it. And I'll try to reply and do all that good stuff. And then in the meantime, keep an eye out on Instagram because when I get to 1552, I'm posting a picture of the wheels and tires. Adios.